Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. I am Pastor James Matchett. I'm the executive pastor here at One Hope Church. And we know every once in a while, you like to hear from some different, uh, different individuals. We've got a, a great senior pastor, and he's a great communicator, but sometimes it's nice for some others to get up. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump into our Summer Story series um, and preach the message today. Before I do that, I want to give you a quick update on something that we've just been in the middle of, um, and it's moving really, really fast. Every single day there's changes and updates. But as you know, last weekend there was flooding in Northport, um, the mobile home community across from the car wash the new car wash there, um, and all of those families um, were flooded out of that area, a lot of devastation. We've had a lot of people asking us what we can do, um, and so we have been involved. Um, we have been at the Red Cross shelter. We actually are working very closely with our Hispanic church in Northport um, because many of those families um, are Hispanic, speak, speak Spanish, so they're working with us on this, and so um, they've been serving at the Red Cross shelter and, um, and have been in the community. We've been there um, cleaning, and um, what we've done is High Socks for Hope, who works with um, Disaster Relief, has asked churches to sponsor families because it's a big project. We have to find housing and a location for somebody in our community that's been displaced, and so that's what we're working on. We have a family, um, two wonderful um, individuals and six kids from Guatemala originally, um, and so we are working on their trailer currently to try to see what can be salvaged, but ultimately, even if they move in there, they're going to need a new home, and, and we're in charge of helping them find this and a new location because that location is going to continue to flood. And so. Um, so I want to, I know that some of you are going to be like, how can I help? How can I get involved? Well, first off, we're looking for a place. So if you know of a home that's fixer-upper, a modular, a mobile home that's 15 years or uh, newer, um, then um, let us know. Um, we, we need to try to find a place. As you, as you can tell immediately, that's going to be expensive for the church. And so if you'd like to make a donation towards finding this uh, family a home um, on the ministry hub at the very top, it's called Flood Relief Fund or something like that. So click on that. Um, any of your online giving, you can choose Flood Relief and you can give directly to that. It's going to take all of us to find them a place um, where they can continue to raise their family and we'll continue this um, relationship with them. There will be times for everybody to get involved with, I'm sure, housewarming gifts and all of that kind of stuff. So we'll keep you up to date. We'll let you know where we are on that. But I'm thankful for those in our church that have been on the ground, have been really working hand in hand with this family like buying box fans to dry out their floor and different things, like that's what we've been doing over the last couple of days. Um, so anyway, I love that the church can mobilize and do that kind of thing. That's what this is all about. That's what we're here for. Um, yes, Jesus blesses us, but he blesses us so that we can bless others. And I think that you're going to find that's in line with the message today. So we're talking summer stories, summer stories. Stories are powerful, aren't they? Stories are really powerful. I don't know whether you've ever been reading a book or watching a TV show or a movie and you just, you've been, you, you just got so engrossed in the story that you just kind of felt like you were a part of it. Have you ever done that? You ever felt like you knew the characters, like personally, and you get super invested in, in what happens? I'm a little embarrassed to tell you this, okay, but I'm going to. 
Um, my family's been watching Gilmore Girls. I don't know how many of you know what that is, but on Netflix, Gilmore Girls, and there's a million seasons. And so as a family, we've been watching this forever. It's like we've been spending um, so many evenings with the Gilmore Girls. So it's, like, it's like we know them. Um, it's like we live, like we feel so invested in the story at this point. It's like we live in Fox, Fox Hollow. Yeah, Fox Hollow is the town, like we're neighbors of theirs and everything, like, like, we're, like we're invested. So we're currently, we're having an argument in our family as to who we want Lorelai to marry, whether she should marry Luke or whether she should marry Christopher. Like this is, this is how invested, it's like she's a family member of ours, like that's how invested you get in a story. That's why we, that's why we can, um, you know, get pulled through an entire show wondering if Ross and Rachel are going to get together at the end and friends, or whether Jim and Pam are going to get together in the office. And there's so many more, aren't, aren't they? And we're invested in their lives, you know? And we, we get angry if a show doesn't end the way that we think it should end. And it's why, it's why we can cry sometimes, you know? Like, you, you can get so invested that there's even emotions. And, I, you know, I hate, to, I hate to say this, but one of the reasons... Why, you know, Pastor Scott doesn't like Hallmark movies. And the reason it is is because at the end of every one, he cries. Even though he knew 30 minutes in how it was going to end, he just, he cries. But listen, that's how powerful stories are. And he shouldn't feel embarrassed by that. And so if you want to send him a text or a message that just lets him feel okay, saying it's okay to cry during Hallmark movies, then that would be an appropriate thing to do right now if you wanted to do that, all right? Just let him know it's okay. You know, that's the whole point of this series is that stories are powerful. This is why they're powerful. They, some of you texting, messaging him, good. He's not in the room, so this is a perfect time. All right, um, stories help us feel, experience, and understand things that we wouldn't really have context for. Like, I don't live in Fox Hollow. I don't know what that, like, it's, it's an amount, but it helps me feel, experience, and understand things I don't have context for. And that's what Jesus does with the parables throughout the New Testament. And that's what we're talking about. Um, and, and the reason that he has to do this is he's trying to help us, all of us, feel, experience, and understand something that we don't have context for. Do you realize how much he was ushering in that was brand new? It wasn't just about him dying for our sins and providing salvation. I think that he knew that who he was and what he was there for was going to get revealed over time, but he was also bringing something else new, a new covenant, which means a, an entirely new way of interacting with God. And not only that, a new kingdom that knew no boundaries and a whole new way of interacting with other people. And so he told story to help us understand this new way of interacting with God and this new way of interacting um, with, with one another. And so I'm excited for the parable that I've chosen today. I think you've maybe heard it a little bit, but um, it's probably not super familiar with you or to you. We're going to go to the book of Luke. So if you want to turn to the book of Luke with me, we're going to go to Luke chapter 13, uh, verses 1 through 9. And I'm just going to go ahead and get started because I'm going to read the, the first part of this is actually a conversation Jesus is having with some individuals before he tells the parable. And so I want us to get that in um, too. So let's, let's start reading in Luke chapter 13 verses um, 1 through 9. It says, now there were some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. Jesus answered, do you think that these Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. 
but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower of Selim fell on them, do you think that they were more guilty than all the others living in Jerusalem? I tell you no. But unless you repent, you too will all perish. Now, I'm going to stop there because before we get to the parable, I want you to know what's going on here. So one of the things, that they're just talking current events. They're talking to Jesus, say, hey, Jesus, did you hear about this that happened over here? Did you hear about this that happened over here? Just like we would have a conversation and say, hey, did you hear there was an accident on McFarland or, or whatever? Like that's, like that's what they're talking about. Now, their question is, was this an act of judgment by God on these individuals? Did they do something bad to deserve this? And Jesus is giving them the explanation that we see elsewhere in Scripture. We see in the book of Job, the writer of Ecclesiastes says that in a broken world like we live in, judgment from God does not come upon us by disaster. And so good things happen to bad people, bad things happen to good people, the rain, it rains on good people and bad people is what the writer of Ecclesiastes says. And so this was not about judgment, but that doesn't mean that Jesus isn't trying to teach a lesson here. Jesus, two times here, he says, but, but you need to repent or you too will perish. And what Jesus is trying to get across to them is you are worried about earthly things and you are concerned right now with an earthly death and what you should be concerned with is what's on the other side. That's what you should be concerned with. And then he goes on to tell this parable. So let's read this parable. Then he told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in a vineyard. He went to look for fruit on it but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, For three years now, I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I will dig it, dig around it and fertilize. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, cut it down. All right, it's it's a challenging parable, okay? And there's a lot here and there's a lot of layers, and we could talk about it for a really long time, but we're going to try to pull out some of the main themes here. Now, it is a story, right? And so, in any story, you need to know the characters, okay? You need to know who is who in this story. So, let's take a look at the characters first. Now, the first one is the vineyard owner, okay, the garden owner, and that would be God, okay? God is the one who has created, has owned all, and he has come in. There's going to come a day, right, when God will separate those who have received him and those who have not. And so he has come into the vineyard, he's looking at the fruit tree, the fig tree, and he is trying to see whether there is fruit of repentance that is for him. And there's going to come a day when God's going to look each one. We are going to look at at God in the face and he's going to examine us and he's he's going to hopefully see that we have received his son Jesus and we have we have chosen him okay so then the fig tree now elsewhere in scripture the fig tree sometimes represents Jerusalem or the Pharisees and it could it could also apply to them as well in this passage but he's speaking to individuals to start this out so I think it definitely is applicable to us as individuals and and what we learn is that God has created us if we're a fig tree if we're a fruit tree he has created us to bear fruit and so that is, that's, that's our role. Now, the last one, I don't know, it's probably easy to guess, but we're going to look at the gardener. Who is the gardener? And this is where I think it all comes together and gets really neat, okay? The gardener comes in, and the gardener is an advocate for the tree to the, 
<laughs> almost said to the father, <laughs> to the owner. He's an advocate for the tree. He stands between the tree and judgment and does everything he possibly can to make sure that it experiences life and not death. It's Jesus. Jesus, who is our advocate to the Father, who stands between us and judgment and was willing to do whatever it took so that we might have life and might be saved from death. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That's a good story, all right? Well, there are some things I think that Jesus is wanting us to get, a couple main themes that Jesus is trying to teach us with the previous conversation that he had and then what he's trying to illustrate here. The first one is Jesus is teaching us the urgency, the urgency of repentance. I think that we all know this, that life can kind of lull us to sleep, or earthly life can kind of lull us, so we can become very earthly focused. It's just, it's very easy. It's just because it's all around us. It is right, it is right here. And what Jesus is saying by those two examples that they were talking about prior to this, this story, and for the fig tree, is that you do not know when your time is going to come. Jesus was saying, listen, those people died in tragedy, and it wasn't because they were bad, but it does illustrate something. They did not know that day was going to be their last day. This was an accident. This was a tragedy. Even the fig tree in the garden did not know the day that the owner was going to come. And so all Jesus, and Jesus seems to be very interested in this, and I know that we don't seem to be as interested, but anytime Jesus is hyper-interested about something, and we tend to not be, we should open our eyes and see why. Like, what is going on here? But Jesus, in a lot of his parables, is saying, make sure that you don't fall asleep. Make sure that your house is in order. Make sure that, um, you know, the, you've got oil in your lamp. Do you know how many parables are talking about how we need to be ready at any moment? And so it's the urgency of repentance and making sure that we have received God in such a way that we feel peace that all is well with my soul, that at any moment I can stand before him. Now, repentance is something that we've heard, okay? And it's a big concept. I think that we embrace one side of it, but I do think that we probably all need to work on the other side of it a little bit. Now, the side that we embrace is the, I need to ask forgiveness, of my, I say I'm sorry, ask for forgiveness of my sins, and all of that. But do you realize if that's all that you do, you kind of are saying, hey, I am sorry I messed up, but I you know, and I want forgiveness, I'm going to still continue to stay on the same path and live the same kind of life, okay? And so there's an other element to repentance that we need to, we need to focus on, and that is that I was on this path, and I was being led by these things, and I was doing these things, and yes, I am sorry for those things, and yes, I need God's forgiveness, because we all do, um, but here's the other side, but I'm going to also choose to get off of this path, come over on this path where Jesus is and now start following him. And so one element of repentance I think is important for us is that we need to be willing to choose Jesus as the center of all things, all things in our lives. And there are a lot of things that we can live our lives for, a lot of things that take our attention, a lot of things that can lead us down a path, a lot of things that can set our plans, that can set our priorities. But here's the problem. There is only one thing 
that can bring us life and allow us to produce fruit, have a fruitful life. And it is the gardener. It is the gardener. It is Jesus. Listen, our name is our name because He is our one hope. He is our one hope for a better life. He is. The gardener is the only one that can help that tree produce a fruitful life. And so we must choose Jesus in all things. He must be our go-to. He must be the center. He must direct. He must lead. She say, who's going to help me with my past and healing with my past? Jesus is. Who's going to help give me strength and help me make it through this trial? Jesus is. Who's going to lead me and set my, my priorities for my life? Jesus is. Who's going to be my model and my example? I want to become more like Jesus. Jesus is. And I think that we all know that life can get very distracting and we can find ourselves walking down a number of different paths. And it is a helpful reminder that Jesus brings us in this parable that repentance, repentance is not only asking for forgiveness of our path, but or for our past, but choosing Jesus and walking a new path with him, to follow him. Jesus was the issue of the day. The Pharisees, they knew about sins. They knew about sacrifices. They knew about all of that stuff. That wasn't their issue. Their issue, they were rejecting Jesus. The issue of the day was Jesus. And are we choosing Jesus? Now, so many of us, maybe in the room, maybe we have chosen Jesus. Maybe that's not really our issue, but I think that repentance is still a daily thing for us. Because I think for many of us, we can, like I've mentioned, we can find ourselves just kind of straying off course or, 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 or allowing something else to guide us or direct us. We find ourselves off the path. And so for us, I think repentance can be a recentering, a recentering all things on Jesus. I don't know if your GPS has this, but when I'm looking on GPS, if I find myself in a traffic jam, what I, what I do, because I'm curious and controlling and all of those kinds of things, so I try to scroll ahead on the GPS because I want to see what's causing the, the traffic. How long is it going to be? When is my next turn? When am I going to get out of this? All of that. But as I scroll all the way out, of, then I lose track of where I am. I don't know where my car is. I can't get back to, I can't get back to my car. I've gone so far off, off track. But there's this little button. It's called recenter. I just click that button, and it brings me back to where I am and the path that I need to be on. Listen, every single day we could find ourselves straying off, off the path. And that is why repentance is such an important concept for us. Yes, to ask for forgiveness, but to recenter our morning on Jesus, to recenter our day on Jesus, to recenter our activities on Jesus, to recenter our marriage on Jesus, to recenter our family, to recenter our purpose at work on Jesus, why he has us there, to recenter our purpose in our neighborhood on Jesus and why he has us there. I think the part of this was making sure that we choose Jesus in all things so that any moment, any moment when we stand before the Father, we will be standing side by side with Jesus. The second thing that I think Jesus is teaching us, obviously, um, is about the importance of fruitfulness. The importance of fruitfulness. 
Um, and he does this as well in other, in other places throughout Scripture. He talks about fig trees. I'm going to mention that uh, at some point here in just a, just a minute. Um, but there is the urgency of repentance is the primary purpose for the story, but there is also this importance of fruitfulness. Now, what is the purpose of a fig tree? To produce figs, right? Yeah. What, what, what would you think about a fig tree that didn't produce figs? Well, it would be, it wouldn't be fulfilling its, its purpose. All plants have different purposes. If it doesn't produce figs, there would be a, a more attractive tree to put in its place if it was just to look good. No, the purpose of the fig tree is to produce fruit. And I think that it is important for us to know that God is telling us that, that he has created us to produce fruit. And, and it's not that that's not what we want. God wants the same thing for our lives that we want. We want to live fruitful lives, Right? We want to live lives that are making a difference. We want to live lives that have a purpose behind them. We want to live lives that are blessing uh, those around us. And, and God is saying, yes, yes, that is what I've created you for, to produce fruit. So there's a couple of things that I think that we, we can get out of this parable when it comes to trying to, to produce the kind of fruit that God has for us. The first is understanding that we cannot produce fruit on our own. We just simply don't have the capacity to create something living on our own. And neither does the fig tree, right? If you pull that fig tree out of the ground, okay, because it's from the ground, listen, the gardener is around the fig tree digging, watering, nourishing, fertilizing, and then that fig tree is pulling all of that life out and putting it into itself in order to produce something that it can't do on its own. You pull that fig tree out of the ground, what happens to it? It dies because it can't produce fruit. It can't produce fruit on its own. Now, here's the problem with fruit for all of us, all right? Is one, we can't do it on our own, and two, to do it with God takes a lot of time. (laughs) It takes time, and we don't have a lot of that. And in our culture, we're not used to things that take a lot of time. You're like, listen, pastor, I don't have... I don't, can't, I just, can't I just run by Publix on the way home and pick up some Fig Newtons or something? Like, I think I am actually going to run by the grocery on the way home, and I think I'm going to buy Fig Newtons because I've been thinking about figs all week long. Um, so can't we just do that? We don't like the, that this isn't something that I can do on my own and that it, it may take some time. Pastor, I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to spend in prayer. I don't have time for solitude and listening to God. And I don't have time to, you know, for, you know, for, listen, pastor, can I just come by One Hope a couple of times a month and then just, boom, just be a good person and be a good husband and be a good father and be a good boss and employee and be a good neighbor? And the answer is no. I've tried it many times. That's why repentance is a daily practice of recentering because I try it over and over and over again. And you want to know what happens when we rush to produce fruit on our own? We get emptied, burn out, because we're trying to produce something from nothing. How many of you feel like that in life sometimes? I just feel like I'm trying to produce something from nothing. I just don't have any more. I'm just trying to produce something from nothing. When we try to rush to fruit and produce fruit on our own, we get emptied out, burn out, and we offer 
those around us and those we love a very pale version of the real thing. You know that a tomato at the grocery store doesn't taste like a tomato out of the garden, does it? And when we offer our loved ones and our church and our workplace and our neighborhood something that we produced, it's a very pale version of what God intended for us to produce and to offer those around us because it is, it is lacking the things that God brings to the table. It is lacking an anointed power of God. It is lacking the fruits of his Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Do you want to know why we have so little of those things in our world? It's because you got to get with God deep within the soil in order to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we are also lacking the life. Listen, I don't, I, I don't want to offer my kids something less. I don't want to offer my spouse something less. I don't want to offer my neighbors something less. I want to give them the real deal. And we've got two options. We can offer those around us something filled with the power and anointing of God, marked by the Holy Spirit, and that will bring life to them, or something far less. But this over here, it takes me being deeply rooted in the presence of God. And there's no rush in it. I, listen, I garden. I wish that I could give you a tomato without water in it. It doesn't work that way. We've got to be deeply rooted in order to receive those kinds of things to offer those around us. And fruit is one of the greatest things that we have to display to the world of what God has done inside of us. That we have got something from somewhere else to offer those around us. The second is, is that we need to be reminded when it comes to fruit that fruit, fruit is for others. Fruit is for others. The fruit that we produce the purpose of it is to bless others. Now, Jesus talked a couple of times about a fig tree. Um, a couple of, in Matthew and Mark, he actually encounters a fig tree along the road and he sees a bunch of leaves. And so he goes over to it to find figs. There are no figs, no fruit. And so he curses the tree. And he was referencing Jerusalem and the religious leaders of the day who were all talk. Oh, they prayed fancy prayers. They had all kinds of rules they followed. They made everybody else follow those rules too. They dressed, dressed fancy, but it was, all, it was all redirected back to them. It was all leaves and no fruit. And Jesus is saying, what good is that kind of spirituality? What good, what good is that if it, doesn't, if it doesn't care for the poor and the widowed and the orphaned? and the sick, and those in prison, and the children, and the women, and the Samaritans, and the sinners, and the prostitutes. What good is it if it doesn't bless someone else? The purpose of our fruit, the purpose of our fruit is to bless someone else. And we all have to be careful with this. I have to be careful with this, that we don't just make all of this about us. I love coming to church so that I feel good. I get all the feels, you know? that's not the end. That's not the end of this. 
If I just come and it's all about me and what I'm going to get and what I need and how I need to be filled up and how I need to feel and I get all the warm fuzzies and the feels and all of that kind of stuff so that I can feel good during the day and I have the strength and all of that, and that's where it ends. Oh, we're missing such an important piece of this. It is not. That's a lot of leaves. (laughs) It's supposed to flow out and impact those around us. Yes, in our neighborhood, our workplace, and our family. And you say, Pastor, I've already talked, we already talked about this. I don't have any, I don't have the time, I don't have the energy, I don't have any more to give. I'm empty. This is what's so great about this. This is where it all comes together. This is how a fruit tree works. A fruit tree is rooted deeply and pulls in life. All right? But listen, it doesn't, the life doesn't go immediately to fruit, does it? You don't see a, a, a tree without leaves that's just got fruit all over the place. No. Listen, when we root ourselves deeply in God, then we are going to pull in His Spirit. And yes, it is going to wash over our hearts and our minds and our souls. And it is going to free us. It's going to heal us. And it's going to, it's going to help us. It's going to fill us. It's going to strengthen us. And then, and then it's going to start to overflow into fruit. The fruit is the last step. It is from the overflow. And you want to know what happens once it starts producing in us, once we get deeply rooted and we get filled and then we start to flow, once we get in that rhythm and routine, it'll be easy for us to give away. I got a plum tree in my front yard. And for three weeks, I'm drowning in plums. Drowning in them. I can never eat as many plums as I get off of that tree in three weeks. And so you know what I'm doing? Putting them in bags. Give them away. Give them away. Give them away. I don't need them. I don't need them. Take them. Whenever you started gardening, you probably all planted squash, zucchini, and cucumbers. And you know for three weeks, you're getting more of those than you could ever eat in your entire life. And so you look really generous, all right? Yeah, because you're bagging them up and you're giving away your neighbors. You're just like, you don't care. You don't need them. You got what you needed. Now you've got an abundance. You've got an overflow and you just give it away how it's supposed to work. We were to be deeply rooted in Jesus and to pull life from beyond so that his spirit washes us and fills us and then overflows in fruit that we might provide to our loved ones and to those around us. All right, as we close, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And this final worship song, is, is a, it's a time for you to worship. Maybe you do need today. Maybe you do need to put those roots down and you need to, you, you need to receive a little bit. But the, the worship song at the end of service is also a time for you to reflect on what God has said to you. And so I want, to just, I want to point out just a couple of things and maybe give you something that maybe you want to think about today. First off, to sum it all up, here's the challenge with this message that Jesus is presenting to us, is he has called us to do something that we can't do. That's hard, isn't it? He's called us to do something that we can't do. That's not fair. Is anybody sometimes you're like, that's not fair. Why would he do that? Why would God call us to produce something that we can't produce? Because he, he wanted to do it with us. He wanted to do it with us. That's what this has always been about. There's something beautiful 
about how a plant pulls from the Creator in order to produce life. And there is something beautiful about us rooting ourselves in Jesus and working together to produce life for us and for those around us. And I don't always feel like I'm producing like I should. Maybe even today. And maybe you don't today either. And so what are some things that I can, I can try to examine in my life? And maybe what are some things that you can examine in your life? First off, what is driving your path, your plans, and your priorities? There's a lot of things that we can follow in life. It's very easy to do. But here's the problem. If work, our kids' activities, the schools, the community, our passions, our hobbies are driving our path, our plans, and our activities, how is that affecting the fruit that we're producing? Listen, Jesus knows that those things are going to be a part of your life. Here's the thing. When you choose him to follow him, he makes room for those things. But when you choose those things to follow, they never make room for Jesus. And so you may want to step back and say, I want to follow you, Jesus. So if you were going to be in charge of my morning, this is what would change. If you're going to be in charge of my day, this is what would change. You're going to be in charge of our activities as a family, this is what would change. You're going to be in charge of my year, this is what would change. To recenter. Second, what are your roots pulling every day and every week to influence your heart and your mind? Again, there's nothing wrong with these things, okay? But if it's only Netflix, social media, and the news, if that's all you're pulling to bathe your heart and your mind, how's that going to affect the fruit of your life? And so maybe you want to say, hey, listen, we make, we make a bunch of choices all day long. And I'm not saying that you don't choose. I choose all of those things. That some, I don't watch the news a whole lot. But I choose most of those things. I'm still going to watch Gilmore Girls. I'll let you know who she marries. But maybe you say, but I'm going to choose first thing in the morning, though, to start with the Word of God because I need to recenter and make sure that I at least start on the right path. I'm going to choose this time in the car to listen to worship music because I need to pull some life from God's promises and his glory so that I can produce fruit. Maybe this lunch time I'm going to take a walk and just silence and solitude so that I can settle my soul and hear from him. And so those two areas, I just want to ask you just maybe to think, What's one thing this week that maybe you would change? Whether it's in an area that drives your plans and priorities or whether it's an area that's influencing your heart and your mind because those are areas that greatly impact what's inside of us and what comes out of us. And, and I think all of us probably could choose something take a step, make a change. And so as we worship, maybe you worship, maybe you reflect, maybe you already know that today you need to choose Jesus. Maybe for the first time, maybe today you need to recenter and you know you need to recenter. 
Um, but as we do this, as we, as we worship, you respond as you need to. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you liked this message and would like to hear more, check out our website at OurOneHope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.